And one month, that's hard to believe January's already gone, um, but you've allowed me to, um, to teach this word, which I love to do, guys. I mean, I, I find myself, since I've been here, just reading more and listening to more and studying more and just, you know, asking God, hey, man, what do you, you, know, what do you want me to say to these people? I mean, what do you want to say to your people? Um, I kind of just thought that with my Wednesday morning devotionals that things would just kind of spin off from there or they kind of mesh and be the same thing. But I just find that the Lord's got completely different things He wants me to say on Wednesday than He does for me to say here. So it's um, like every day when I sit down to read, uh, I had a, you know, had a couple of snow days and I tried so hard to, um, to just, you know, I'm going to write some great messages or something. And I was just chasing rabbits all over the place. Man, I had like hours to, to work on this. And I'm like, these are all terrible. You know, what's up with this? And, you know, sure enough, when school got back into going and we were in our routine, I just got up to read for me, you know, not for anything. And the Lord's like, bam, there's a piece. And on the way to work, there's a piece. And he just gives me these little puzzle pieces to kind of put together. And, you know, hopefully you guys get to see the picture by the time we, uh, we come here. And I, I just love doing this. And, you know, giving me the opportunity to, to be your, you know, your pastor. Uh, even, you know, we, we kind of set this up like on, a, on an interim basis. I kind of put that into place because uh, I said, you know, let's look at it after six months. Let's make sure you guys feel that I'm your guy. You know, like, yeah, we, we really want to hear him. I mean, you got to see, hopefully that gives you enough time to see where I am and how I do my life. And do you want to follow that? Do you want to follow that pattern, you know, do you see God on me? And if, you know, you don't see God on me, then, you know, I'm probably not your guy. You know, you need to be able to look at the leader and say, man, I want what he has. And if you don't want what I have, then that's, you know, I'm, I'm not your guy, you know. And it also kind of gives me a chance to evaluate how you guys are. And everybody's been so friendly and everybody comes up and you know, shakes my hand, hugs me, just please keep saying your name, I know y'all know mine, I'm trying, you know, I'm like, oh, now who was that, but if I guess, it's always wrong, um, it's crazy, but uh, do keep doing that for me, I got to, uh, I got to lead worship last Sunday, just on my acoustic, I hadn't done that in forever, and, uh, you know, just to hear you guys sing along, it was just, that was awesome. I got to play guitar probably for the first time in two years. I used to do this at uh, Golden Corner a good bit. Uh, and then they kind of wanted one band to do every Sunday. And I'm like, I don't want to do every Sunday. I still like coming to church with my family, you know, and still, you know, walking into church with them and getting ready for church. I like that whole process, and I don't want to have to... Um, forsake that, but you know, thank for, thankful for Scott for giving me the chance to to do this. Um, at the very least, me volunteering for this, I at least earn my LCC T-shirt, you know, because I'm a volunteer, and they gave me one last week, so uh, glad for that, you know. So, um, as far as the guitar goes, I mean, I was super kind of nervous playing it today. Um, more I play, but you know the the lighter, you know, the easier it'll, it'll get for me. But we used to play when I was in, uh, when I was 16, my goal was to be the next, you know, Angus Young or Kirk Hammett. If you don't know who those guys are, you're totally blessed. Um, if you don't know those people, uh, Ace Fraley, 
Um, I mean, I, those are like, man, I wanted to be this. And the weird thing is, at the same time I asked, you know, that that was my dream, um, I got saved, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I'm going to pick, I bought me a guitar, had me a Gibson Les Paul, playing a PRS now. Uh, but I was like, man, this is what I'm going to do. It's going to be great. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, I go to a little church, man, and I get saved. And so i pursuing this little kind of rock and roll dream. And, you know, every time we're playing these songs, man, it's just like, Lord's like, no, nah, this ain't what I have for you. This ain't what I have for you. And I sit there and I ignore it, you know, and, um, you know, kind of go through this whole little thing, you know, with my band. We're starting to play these little parties and play uh, the bar across the road from where I lived would let us play. And, uh, you know, we'd play these little benefits. And um, every time, you know, the Lord is like, this ain't what I have for you. So for years, I sit there and I, I ignore, you know, God and what he has to say. And so finally, one day I couldn't take any more. I had the conversation with my band. I was like on academic probation at Clemson, which, man, if I didn't get my grades up, I was going to be kicked out of there. So, you know, I kind of used that as an excuse. I wasn't quite bold enough to say, I'm quitting for the Lord Jesus. He's in my heart. You know, I was just like, oh, I really got to work on school. I, mean, I took the lame way out. Um, but I told those guys I can't do it any, you know, anymore. So they go on to get kind of successful, you know, and small-time successful. You know, they wrote their own songs, sold their CDs. Um, and, you know, it was like, man, you know, they got rid of me, and then all of a sudden... They started doing all right, and here I was, you know, they were going to play at McPee's and Clemson, you know, you know, packing the place out, and here I was going to the library on Friday night to make sure I got all my papers written and all that stuff. So my grades went up, but my attitude, man, was really, really sour. I kind of was like reminding God all the time that I gave this up and I gave this up and just kind of like, you know, this ain't, this ain't right, um, and so, you know, one day I remember going to, to McPay's to see them. My dad said, hey, let's, you know, they're playing. Hey, let's go watch them. So I, I was just kind of being inconspicuous. I didn't think they saw me or anything. It was a big old crowd there. And, uh, like, soon as they finished the song, they were like, hey, let's give it up for my man Adam Hopkins. He's right back there. He used to play with us. And I was like, oh, Lord. And then they, they said, we're going to play one for you, man. And, uh. They played a song by a band called Driving and Crying called Straight to Hell. Hope you hadn't ever heard that song, okay? But we play it, they sit there, and I'm like, this is just the epitome of irony. I mean, they're sitting there playing, you know, Straight to Hell, and that's kind of why I left the band, because I didn't want to go straight. It was just strange, man. So the Lord was kind of doing... Yeah, they were getting all this attention. I was getting better grades, but, you know, my attitude, like I said, it was, it was just so, so bad. Um, but it, I tell you what, every time I almost wanted to quit God, it was like I'd turn on his radio, and they would just, somebody would be saying the perfect thing, and it would just be like, just give me enough to keep on going. And then I'd go to church on Sunday, and the preacher would just say something that spoke right to my heart. Don't quit. Don't give up. And I would just keep on going. I ain't saying my attitude got really good, but it was just, I could just feel God just kind of nudging me, giving me exactly what I needed along the way. And, you know, I, I think about it now. I made all those decisions. You know, I even kind of quit dating the way I was dating for a while because I knew it didn't honor God. 
And, uh, you know, once again, it seemed like all of a sudden when I said I'm not going to date, like hot girls would just like pay attention to me. And I'm like, come on, Lord, you know, that didn't happen before. You know, I've made this decision. And so it's just crazy. And I look now at how blessed I am. Man, I still get to play. But I get to play for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I get to worship Him, and I get to honor Him. I still get to, to date, but it's with my wife, man, who I love, and there's nobody else I'd want to hang out with in the world. She's my best friend, and I, I love going places with her, going to the movies, just leaving here and putting my arm around her. It's, um, I just I, I love it. I mean, He's given me everything, and I sit here and think, I'm so blessed and it all had to do with making decisions back then when I was a teenager that I didn't want to do. I mean, there's something in this. Obedience leads to presence. And that's what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today. Um, it's called Experiencing God. And ever since, uh, since then, guys, he slowly, I told you guys about me getting to, to lead five or six youth um, at a Methodist church, for a couple of years, that's where he kind of, you know, got me into studying the Bible and bringing the message to people. Um, I went to um, Golden Corner Church. They had me leading life groups of about 8 to 10, 8 to 12 people. Um, people started talking, telling the preacher, you know, how well they thought I did leading life group. preacher said, hey, you want to preach one Sunday? And it was back when we did two services. So I'd preach at 8.30 and then preach at 10. And, uh, you know, they let me do that about three or four times a year. And, you know, it got to where about four or five times a year, I was stepping up in front of Golden Corner in front of about 400 people. And I'm just like, man, Lord, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but this is awesome. And then I switched jobs. And then, you know, Carlton and a crew, you know, comes to watch me preach. And they, they say, hey, listen, man, we want, we want you to come to our church. You know, will you, will you consider doing this? And, man, here I am. I mean, guys, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I love being here, and I love the presence of God that He gives me when I'm just praying for this place and the presence that He gives me while I'm here. Um, he, the way He allows me to, to serve through my WMDs, um, this just blows me away, guys. I, uh, and by the way, our website, uh, Marcus updated our website. You need to check it out. He kind of got a new look. And he put my Wednesday morning devotional link right there on the, the front. And we're just kind of messing around with it. And it looks super cool. It does look good. And, um, but this lady from Africa, uh, Kenya, Africa. Now, you know, how in the world she even finds it, I, I have no idea. Um, but she wrote me this email. I emailed her yesterday and asked her if I could... Um, I could use this in my sermon, you know, like she would have known. She's in Africa, and what would she have done, you know? <laughs> Flew over here and found me. I don't know. But she said I could use it, okay? So she says, um, Adam, I'm learning every day to walk in and enjoy the presence of God, to walk closely with Him. This morning, I remembered one of your experiences when you said you think and talk with God as you walk, and I started talking to God. And I could feel him right there with me and asked him for something. I was almost getting late for work because the bus didn't come early today. So I told him, God, I don't want to be late. Please send me someone to give me a lift. And I was laughing. And I kept on walking. And when I saw my neighbor's car behind me, I laughed even harder, feeling God really was there with me. 
My neighbor said he wasn't planning to go to town at that time, but he just all of a sudden changed his mind. I knew that was God. I'm enjoying these kind of moments with God, praying not out of religious obligation, but because I just want to talk to God. He has become my friend. I just knew you'd be a pastor one day. I, didn't, I just didn't know when, and I'm really glad it's happened. I just pray that the WMDs keep coming. They've built me up a lot and my walk with God. You're my pastor too. And always in my prayers, I envy the, the people that you minister to every Sunday. And guys, what did I do to get to deserve that kind of praise? That God is using me to lift her up. And this is, when I think about a vision for this church, this is what I want here. This is what I want to bring you guys. Whether I'm here until summer or whether I'm here for the long haul, I want you guys to experience God, I want you to have moments where you soak in His presence and feel His holiness. It can happen, and it does happen. It's been happening to me much more frequently, even since I've got this position. So today, I want to talk to you a little bit about experiencing God. And let's pray. Father God, even just reading that email and just talking to your people, Lord, I feel you are here with me, and I feel you are about to speak through me, and I believe you're going to prompt some people to do some, some hard things, Lord, to make some changes in their life that, that they may not want to do. But I believe, Lord, if they'll make these decisions, and even though it may be discouraging for a week, for a month, for six months, maybe even a year, I don't know, that, but you will begin to manifest your presence, and they'll begin to say things like, that was the best decision I've ever made when I started following him, when I started doing the things he asked me to do that I didn't want to do. So, Lord, that's my prayer, is that you'll get into our hearts and minds, you'll open our eyes and ears, and, Lord, that we will, we will listen to you. And we won't just be people who listen, but we'll be people who respond. So, Lord, put your, put your presence all over this presentation today. and what, uh, Let this be your words and not, not just mine. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So, experiencing God. And today, I'm going to talk about um, one person's experience, Simon Peter. And so, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4. Okay? So, let me find, um, I guess I can read it on the screen, but I'll have it in both places just in case. So, Matthew 4. It's going to be pretty quick. So, um, one thing you got to know before we read Matthew 4 is uh, about the book of Matthew. Um, there's kind of a reason that Matthew comes first, right after the Old Testament. When people who are canonizing the Bible, putting, putting the Bible in order, it's not just a book, it's actually a bunch of scrolls, um, and it's been arranged into the book we know um, as the Bible. So we have Matthew's book. Matthew was researching and writing his narrative for Jews in particular. So when you read his, you may, you may read things that, like we're about to read right here that to us may be like, you know, I just, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand this. But from Matthew's perspective, he just finished, you know, with the Old Testament and everything, he's saying, I've got to convince the Jewish people 
that Jesus is this Messiah. He's the chosen one. He's the one the Old Testament talked about. He's trying to convince that specific group of people that Jesus is God. And so that's Matthew's purpose. So, and one of the things he's writing, when he writes about Simon Peter, just check this out. He says, as Jesus was walking by beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Okay? So you got these guys just kind of doing their job. Now, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. That's the John that wrote John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, I don't know about you. But in this little account here, and I don't know, that almost kind of sounds like irresponsible. It's like, you know, these guys are just working, you know, I can imagine like me teaching, you know, just kind of trying to help kids out, you know, Jesus, hey, come follow me. Okay, see you guys later. You know, I ain't finishing my day, I'm just, I'm just taking off. And then, you know, James and John see this, you know, and they're like, hey, that was pretty cool. See you, Dad, take care of it yourself. I'm out of here, you know. And Daddy will be like, What? Yeah, I mean, there's still all this stuff to do. I mean, now, but you've got to understand, from Matthew's perspective, if you believe Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, well, all Jews need to be convinced. And if they knew that was God, they would just pack it up and they would go. They'd just forsake everything. Now, us Gentiles, I, couldn't, I probably couldn't preach that and say, hey, guys, come follow Jesus. And let's, you know, it's like, well, we need a little more than that. Now, now this is where Luke comes in. I love Luke's gospel because he is a Gentile, uh, and he's writing for a Gentile named Theophilus. And so Theophilus, you know, was, he, I guess he commissioned Luke and said, hey, go out and find everything you can. Because Luke probably never met Jesus like everybody else. But when he would hear stories like, a blind guy really received his sight? They say, yes. How can we know that? Well, say, go ask him. He lives down the road. And he would go and say, really, you were completely blind. And now you can say, yes, Jesus. I mean, it sounded like he spit on the ground. It sounded kind of gross. And he picked some mud up and put it on my eyes. And all I know is I can see now. And he would write that stuff down. And then he'd say, these are your parents? Yeah, those are my parents. He was really born blind? Yeah, he didn't see for the longest time. Met Jesus, now he can see. And Luke's like, man, that is amazing. And he writes story down after story down. And the more he writes, obviously, the more he believes. And he says Jesus is who he says he is. So when you read Luke, he's writing for us. He's writing for Gentiles, people that aren't Jews, people that maybe they're not grounded in the Old Testament. You know, maybe they don't know all that kind of stuff. So he's writing for us. So let's go to Luke chapter 5 and look how this one starts. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, if you got your Bible, it's probably a footnote saying Sea of Galilee. It's the same place, uh, same story, same everything. But remember, um, you know, John's just saying, 
Oh, well, yeah, this happened. He said, follow him, and everybody did. Luke's trying to get perspective. He's trying to ask everybody. He's trying to say, what did you see? He's, and he's, he takes in the whole gamut of perspectives, and then he writes his narrative. He says, um, the people were crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. Now, this is the first thing. Remember, the title's called Experiencing God, and Peter is about to experience God here on just a crazy, awesome level. But I do want you to notice that the first thing he was doing was listening to the Word of God. What you guys are doing right now is listening to the Word of God. And I hope through the week that you are reading, you are turning on His radio, you are turning on something, and you are listening to the Word of God. You have got to pump your mind as full of this Bible and as of God and of praise and worship as you can. So this was the first thing they were doing. They was listening to the Word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, why were they washing their nets? Well, um, you're going to find out here in a little bit that they fished all night, but once they fished... Um, that they would take it out and they needed to clean the nets, they needed to dry them off, because if they didn't, they would basically rot. So, you know, they, they'd already parked it, they'd already called it a night, and it says, um, he got back into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Simon Peter, okay? Remember Martin, uh, Matthew just kind of said, Jesus said, come follow me. And he said, all right, see you guys. And so, but he got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So once again, he's listening to the Word of God. Okay? So they were working and listening to the Word of God. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, you can leave it right there for a second. Uh, he said, so, so what he was asking them to do, he was asking them to do their job his way. Okay, now this is, this is huge, guys. Listen, because I've been, a, I've been a teacher. This is my 17th year of being a math teacher. And I remember, guys, around 2007, um, you know, I mean, it's about after, like, I've been a teacher like nine or ten years. Because I didn't really like my job. I didn't like teaching. It was just kind of aggravating. I didn't, you know, a lot of the kids I had to deal with and stuff. I'm like, I mean, honestly, I just didn't like it. I was thinking about, about doing something else. But then I read something in the Bible. You know, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Like you're working for the Lord, not for men. And I, that stayed stuck in my head. And I said, have I been doing my job as unto the Lord? Or have I been doing it to just get by? And the answer was so obvious. And God asked me, he said, will you give me a year? He said, will you teach for me? He said, regardless of the way the kids do their work, regardless of the administrator, you're not doing this for the administrator, will you do this for me? And so I resolved that uh, every time I went to work for the next 180 days, I would, I would do my job for him. And it was probably the best year of teaching 
of my life, and I enjoyed my job all of a sudden. And then next year, same thing. It got even better. And that 2009, guys, somehow, I mean, listen, I'm the most unorganized person on the planet. You know, I watch teachers and I marvel at them. But in 2009, I was Oconee County's district teacher of the year. And I got to do so much cool stuff through all that. They flew me to California for a math conference. I got to go to Myrtle Beach and hang out with other district teachers of the year. And I learned so much. And I still just marvel. And all I can look back and say, you know what? I didn't do anything but do my job for him. And that's why he's asking them to do. Why don't you do your job for me? And he asked him to go in the deep water. And see, and the best little commentary I can read off of that is they were fishing at night using these big nets because, you know, the, the, the fish can't see the nets. Um, and so now that it's daytime, Simon would be like, I'm not, you know, it's, it's daylight. I'm not going to, we're not going to, you can actually, let's go to the next verse so you can see his uh, complaint. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So, do you get the idea that he wants to do this? No. He's like, we've worked hard. We've already done this, Lord. We don't. But, but I love this because you say so. I will let down my nets. He's been hearing the word of God. God has spoken. Do your job like you're doing it for me. Obey me and my commands. And so he says, because you say so, I trust you as a master, as a teacher, and I'm going to do this. When they had done so, okay, now this would not have happened without obedience, okay? I'm never a teacher of the year without obedience to God. I'm not here today without obedience to God. But when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They listened to him and they got blessed. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so full, they began to sink. They had other boats in there and they just kept raking in fish. And man, these boats are about to capsize. You like my Boy Scout turn capsize? All right, that's all I know, okay? I don't rough it. Um, so when Simon, <laughs> that was bad. Um, when Simon Peter saw this, now listen to this, guys. This is so huge because here is Simon Peter's God experience. We get to read about it right here. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at, at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Check out what happened. He called him master in the verse. Like, you're, Mr. you're a good teacher. Back up just a little bit. One more. Um, he said, you're a good teacher. Um, yeah, back up <laughs> to the two more to where, where we were, where it says master. Uh, teach you, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. So he just went from calling him master to calling him Lord. And who talked about sin? Who, you know, Jesus wasn't in here and saying, hey, you're all going to hell without me. You better accept me or your fate is an eternity of damnation in hell. And then it, then it doesn't say he fell down. Then go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. It happened because Jesus was good to him. He obeyed, he got blessed, and he realized just how undeserving he was of the blessing of God. And he saw 
Jesus for who he really is. So he says, Lord, you got to get away from me. I don't deserve this. I'm a sinful man. I remember when this happened to me, guys. It's, um, it's probably been about 10 years ago. And I remember just driving down the road and hearing some song and God just filling my truck up and my, just feeling my insides, just feeling him. And my first reaction was, God, you got to turn this off. I can't take this. And then it, and then it left. And then I'm like, man, I got to figure out how to get some more of that. And slowly but surely through fasting and prayer and obedience, I'm to the point now where when he fills me up, it's like I want to stay there as long as I can. And I think my record's probably about an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm just weeping and my, my side's hurting so bad because I'm, I'm crying. But I leave and I feel so clean and I feel like so undeserving because it all started with doing things I didn't really want to do in the first place. But He blessed me since then. So I'm the same way. Lord, I'm just a sinful dude. What did I do to deserve you to treat me so awesome. Let's keep going. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John. Remember, Matthew kind of says, yeah, they saw all this and they started following. But now we start to understand, no wonder they left. They saw the glory of the Lord. So James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Then Jesus said, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. And so, one more, let's finish. So they pulled uh, their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And band, y'all can go ahead and come on back up. Um, Are we playing one more? Um, So they left their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. So now we understand why they left everything. And followed him because they saw this unbelievable, unprecedented catch of fish. And then Jesus says, Hey, you know what? We're about to start doing men like this. We're going to catch them. And so they think, Hey, if I can be a part of letting men, mankind, this many men, just a huge chunk of the population, feel what I just felt. We got to give our lives to that. And here we are in 2014 talking about this experience. Guys, you can't doubt how amazing that is. So as I've sit here and talked, guys, I don't know what, you know, God stirred in your heart. Maybe you know that you've got things that that you're doing that go against God. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest, guys, I used to be, I was afraid for a while to leave my, my sin behind and go with God, you know, in a, in a kind of like a clean way. Because even though I was doing wrong and I was sinning, like, when I would get in the presence of God, I felt conviction. So one of the reasons I knew God was there was because I was convicted all the time. And I wouldn't say it's a good feeling, but at the same time, it was a God feeling. And so I'm sitting there, if I leave this, what if that feeling goes away and I don't feel convicted anymore? What if, you know, what if all of a sudden I go and then I don't feel God in that way anymore? But guys, listen, the opposite of conviction 
man, is presence, just pure, pure own presence of the Lord. And you can feel that, guys. It is obtainable, but it all starts with listening to the Word of God. And when He tells you to do something specifically, you do that thing. And then it, I don't know how long it'll take, but you be consistent. Even though it gets hard and even though it gets rough, you still follow Him and you still pursue Him. And then you'll have that moment. You'll have it where He just is all over you. And you'll say, Lord, I don't deserve this. Your sin will just be so ever present before you and you'll just feel unclean before Him. But it'll be magnificent because you will have been in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, you are unbelievable. I love to read these stories and just, I can't believe I used to read them just so mundane and so boring. And I would read something like that and say, well, I don't even know what that was about. And it just, it just didn't speak to my heart. And I didn't, I wasn't listening with the kind of ears that would produce obedience. But Lord, as I read this story today to the people of Lifeline, Lord, you've just made it come to life. And I know there's people in here right now that say, you know what? i got to let some things go. I have got to drop some things. Because they're hindering me in my relationship with God. They're hindering me in my pursuit of God. And I need to lay some things down. And I know this is kind of old school, guys. But if there's anything in your heart that you need to let go, there is no better place to do that than in an altar. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop down here and I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray for this church. But guys, if there's anything that comes into your mind and into your heart saying, this is keeping me from God's best, come lay it down. Maybe you're just not reading the Word like you're supposed to. Maybe you're just not pumping it in your mind like you're supposed to. Maybe you know what you need to be doing. You just haven't done it. You just haven't been obedient. Will you come telling, Lord, my obedience starts today. My pursuit of you, my relentless pursuit of you starts today. Would you come?